0: Having films like this going out under the banner of PlayStation Productions, a subsidiary here of Sony, is an important strategic role for Sony to be competitive in the home without having to cannibalize any of its theatrical prospects. Guys, I completely agree with you. It makes perfect sense for this to be a franchise. Sony is now in the Tom Holland business, and as we're seeing with two films in the top three this weekend, the Tom Holland business is a pretty good business to be in right now. This is the Box Office Podcast. I am Daniel Luria, the editorial director of Box Office Pro, the only publication in North America exclusively focused on covering theatrical exhibition. Joined once again by Rebecca Polly, deputy editor of Box Office Pro, and Sean Robbins, our chief analyst here at Box Office Pro. Another busy weekend at the box office with a special overperformer. Uncharted opening to over $40 million here in North America. We'll be going into detail on that shortly. But to start off, Sean, Rebecca, it was a holiday weekend here in the United States, presidents Day weekend. Did you guys get to catch anything at the movies? Yeah,
1: this was for me, I think the first time in a very long time, I was actually able to go see two movies in a theater within a few days of each other. So I, we finally caught up on Belfast, which absolutely adored and loved and am now Hardcore rooting for it at the Oscars, among other movies. And then also Dog, which also really loved and not going to talk about how emotional (laughs) that movie can be for anybody who loves animals, but it is well worth the watch. And I would say the same for Belfast.
0: I get teary-eyed whenever I see Channing Tatum on screen. That's how emotional I would get.
1: He's honestly a big part of it, too. I mean, he does a great job in that movie.
2: I mean, Sean, whereas you saw Oscar frontrunner Belfast, I got out to see the immersive seating version of Roland Emmerich's Moonfall. Oh,
0: snap. Which brand of uh, immersive seating did you get to experience in it?
2: That was 4DX at the Regal in Times Square. And, you know, it was actually the last movie I saw in 4DX was Geostorm. So I think I've hit upon... My perfect kind of intersection for me disaster movies are the best uh, best genre to see in 4DX. I had a <laughs> I had a really good time with it honestly. Those
0: disaster movies seem so fun to watch with an immersive experience like motion seating. Yeah, I'm looking forward to my next immersive seating trip to the movies. Horror is another genre that I enjoy seeing in in that format. But before we get too deep into our future movie watching plans, let's start off with a quick recap of some earnings reports, Rebecca, that we got over last week. We have Cineplex, the leading circuit over in Canada, reporting its Q4 figures.
2: Yeah, and I think as regards Cineplex, there's no need to beat the dead horse that we've uh, spoken about for weeks on this podcast that, that everyone's aware of, notably the pretty dire negative situation that occurred in Canada over the last few weeks of 2021 with the surge in Omicron, leading to key markets in Canada having to shut down their cinema's right as Spider-Man No Way Home was coming out. So we don't need to belabor that point. I'm going to focus here on the, the positive that came out from this Cineplex earnings report, namely that even with those closures, Q4 2021 did prove the highest earning quarter for Cineplex since the onset of the pandemic, despite closures in key markets. Taking the year of 2021 as a whole, box office revenues were just shy of 80% higher than they were in 2020. And if you just look at the final quarter of the year, Cineplex earnings were just around 70%. Of what they were in 2019 pre pandemic. Oh, Really?
0: So it was, it was actually quite close, even despite those closures. You despite have to those think Spider Man probably played, played a big role. Of course, you have Venom there in the month of October. But those closures really, I think, stood in the way of having a, an important benchmark. But it does speak to some very positive momentum here. And the second largest circuit in Canada, Landmark Cinemas, actually owned by Kinepolis, a Belgian based multinational. The national circuit they actually reported their annual earnings for the whole global circuit Kinepolis, actually receiving 17.2 million visitors in 2021 that's a 42 percent increase compared to 2020 in admissions. When it comes to revenue, concession sales helped here, a 51% revenue bump in 21 over 2020. We're still a little bit off of those pre-pandemic figures, uh, like you mentioned with Cineplex in Canada, Rebecca, with the Kannapolis circuit across all its territories down 33.7% in the second half of 2021 when compared to the same period in 2019. We're still around 33% behind that pre-pandemic pace. So a big circuit in present in a lot of countries like Kannapolis, they're still down about a third of what they were in 2019. Still not where we want to be, but an important step forward. It's
2: something that Alice Jacobs spoke of in this quarterly earnings report from Slinoplex, and something I would imagine the leadership at Kinepolis also believes in is that, yes, numbers are not where we would hope they would be right now. That's because of the Omicron surge. But barring another surge in the COVID pandemic, we're really slated to have a, a solid year with a lot of great films coming up that should be able to draw audiences in. To that end, though, Sean, we have seen some shifts in release date over the next coming months. Nothing hugely awful.
1: So yeah, thankfully, we didn't have any major changes this week. It's more of a pre-spring cleaning, I think, particularly on on Sony and STX's end. From Sony, we saw the sci-fi film starring Adam Driver called 65, delayed a full year from April 29th of this year to April 14th of next year. Also, Sony moved the Whitney Houston biopic, I Want to Dance with Somebody, by two days, essentially from December 23rd to December 21st later this year, certainly positioned, I think for awards season and for the holiday season crowd. And then also their comedy, Oh Hell No, which was originally slated to come out this summer is now off the schedule for now. Also saw STX take off one of its upcoming titles, Guy Ritchie's Operation Fortune, which was slated to open March 18th. It's now undated, and they have also sold The Contractor to Paramount and Showtime, which had been dated for April 1st. I don't think we have any confirmation on what Paramount plans to do with that, but it is still assumed to be a hybrid release that includes theatrical and a streaming launch.
0: Those are some curious changes when they relate to the mid-range titles that you mentioned, Sean. Oh Hell No, a comedy, uh, the Guy Ritchie movie, and The Contractor from STX, both mid-range titles These are movies that we've been seeing a little bit less in movie theaters. A bit of a concern here is we have this model where we have huge movies that are coming out every six to eight weeks, like Spider-Man, like the Batman. But in the interim, it's been a little bit rough going. How do you think this plays into the coming months?
1: Yeah, essentially it extends this in-between period of a lot of releases late last fall and holiday leading up to this current summer. And there had been some hopes that the Batman would really be the official kickstart to a strong spring. I think it still will be, but March will still be very slow. April still looks pretty packed. We have Sonic and we have the Fantastic Beasts sequel also the lost city with channing tatum and sandra bullock opens in late march that could be a fair player so really all of this to me looks like the summer schedule is still so packed that i don't think there's too much to worry about it's just studios really kind of giving themselves extra wiggle room to me to get into that deep spring part of the calendar.
2: Yeah, with this off-kilter blend, I would say, of major releases and not so much on these high-profile mid-range releases, holdovers are going to be increasingly important to the health of the cinema industry. And conveniently enough, holdovers are all that we're looking for at the box office this coming week, with Uncharted and Dog both entering their second Second weekends. Sean, what can you expect from the second weekends of these films based on how they performed on their debut frames?
1: Yeah, I think the interesting part to me is that audience reception has been very different on Uncharted than it was for critics. If we look at the Rotten Tomatoes scores, the critics were at 40%, audiences are at 90%. I think that bodes well, especially with the Batman coming around the corner because that's really going to cut into its audience and its premium format footprint. So I think we look at historically video game movies. They have a big fan base usually, which kind of translates to a sharper drop than, you know, a typical film would in second weekend. And we combine that with the fact that it was a holiday frame on its opening. So not to downplay the success of that opening, it certainly well exceeded expectations, but I do think there will be some kind of initial, I wouldn't quite call it a sharp drop-off, but certainly one that will be felt. I think with Dog, that's in a little bit of a different situation because it's not based on an IP. It's certainly going to be one of those, I think, word-of-mouth driven movies. It won't really have any direct competition for a while. But also, it will be coming off the holiday frame when a lot of families turned out. And I think especially military families were a big part of that film's overperformance as well. So, you know, in both of those cases, they'll see sharper drops than other films. But in general, we've seen holdovers. Really do well this year,
0: and those numbers that you mentioned, Sean, Uncharted really overperforming with a forty-three point eight million domestic debut from a little bit over four thousand screens. You were estimating between twenty-five and thirty-five, so this was a, a pleasant surprise. Sony t- giving us a fifty-one million dollar four-day range for the holiday weekend. Overseas, another good start for Uncharted opening in the number one spot in forty-two out of 47 new markets this past weekend. It's now up to 88 million outside of North America. Top openers this weekend were France with 6.3 million, Australia with four, and Germany with 3.4 million. The UK being the top holdover for Uncharted, dropping 20% in its sophomore frame. That's a $5.1 million UK weekend and a $16.4 million cum in the uk and ireland for this title this has to add up to one thing people love tom holland there i think they love tom holland here too
2: tom holland king of the holdovers
0: (laughs) and hey you know we talk (laughs) about this guy Uh, we used to describe him as a spider-man now i think we have to describe him as a star with spider-man sneaking into the top three with a great overperformance in its 10th weekend sean at this point we have to step back and really ask how much of this success from Uncharted, not only here, but around the world has to do with a A-list superstar?
1: I think there is a definite halo effect here. It's it's really hard to deny, especially with the fact that No Way Home is up until recently has been the number one movie. I mean, it really hasn't had anything to dethrone it on a regular basis. And Uncharted has been one of those movies promoted very heavily in front of it. So those two things have combined to really push it to the front of a lot of people's minds. I think the appeal to not just an existing fan base of of the video game. And obviously the core younger audience and the overall male audience, both young and old that typically turn out for video game movies really drove it over the holiday. So it's, it's all of these factors and Holland's, you know ascension to stardom i think at this point was really the big cherry on top that pushed it over the edge and essentially helped it beat even the most conservative of forecasts by 25 percent or more
2: and yeah daniel with those uh, stellar holdovers that spider-man the way home continues to have it's 771.9 million domestic gross actually passes avatar making it the third highest domestic grocer of all time. You add all of its cubes together globally, you get 1.83 billion, making it the sixth highest global grocer of all time, you know, it's it's just so heartwarming to see this film continue to have success, continue to have those holdovers. You know, I, I'd definitely be curious to see with the holdovers for Uncharted, whatever those end up being, you know, could we be looking at this as a new franchise? My understanding of the source material is that the character played by Tom Holland is, is traditionally, you know, in, in the games, he's older. This is seen not as a prequel, but kind of almost as a prequel, younger versions of these characters whom span, who fans know when they're a little bit further along in their uh, grand globe hopping, adventuring Indiana Jones type careers. So I mean, I, I gotta imagine that this one continues to hold well uh, that Sony is, uh, is, is still rare and to go with sequels.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think Sony is, is one of those studios that has now been at the forefront. They have a great relationship with him established and this is a brand, this is an IP that's, that's really ripe for developing even further based on all of these video games and all of the story storylines and characters that they can dive into so even at this point i'm not even sure if we have to see the holdovers i i have a feeling sony is already thinking franchise here but uh there it's a very safe bet in my opinion we'll, we'll see a sequel we, at some we might point be seeing
2: an announcement by the time this episode goes out <laughs> <Right>.
0: well, <it's laughs> yes. because it plays an important strategic role for sony as a company Now, we've talked a lot about big studios launching their own streaming platforms to compete with Netflix in the home entertainment space. Sony doesn't have a streaming platform, but they are one of the global leaders in home entertainment period with their PlayStation platforms in the video game world. Having films like this going out under the banner of PlayStation Productions, a subsidiary here of Sony, is an important strategic role for Sony to be competitive in the home without having to cannibalize any of its theatrical prospects. Guys, I completely agree with you. It makes perfect sense for this to be a franchise. Sony is now in the Tom Holland business. And as we're seeing with two films in the top three this weekend, the Tom Holland business is a pretty good business to be in right now.
2: And, you know, if we're talking stars who have a history in in dance, who come from the world of dance, as Tom Holland does, of course, then you also have uh, have Channing Tatum. I never really uh, associated the two together that way, but they are both dancers turned actors. That Channing Tatum effect continues to be strong. With Dog debuting to fourteen point nine million domestic over the three day weekend on around thirty six hundred screens, the audience is majority female, fifty four percent. You know, we love us some uh, some Channing Tatum, seventy three percent of the opening weekend audience was over 25 years of age, 53% over 35, 37% over 45 of age, 37% over 45 years of age. But it's fantastic
0: to see these older audiences, as you mentioned, Rebecca. When was the last time we said that a movie opened and three quarters of its audience was over 25 years of age? That's a great stat. Sean, what are your initial takeaways from this uh, film that made most of its money outside of the L.A. New York hub that we usually talk about when it comes to box office?
1: Yeah, this is you know potentially one of those movies we'll look back on and, and see as a turning point because we're just one week off of talking about Death on the Nile opening close to expectations quote unquote, but those expectations were way off of the prior film. And that was a movie driven by adult female audiences. Same for West side story two months ago for Channing Tatum and a dog movie literally to come out and do this, be driven by women over 35, essentially. That's a great sign as we go into the spring and we look forward to movies like the Downton Abbey sequel in May, other titles like Elvis in the summer. These are the movies that will maybe court some of those audiences. Now I think dog also benefited from some of that family appeal and and Tatum's comedic chops from the jump street and magic Mike films, some military family audience, but overall, just to see these numbers from that audience segment is really, really encouraging.
0: And those two films, Dog and Uncharted, are going to really be leading the market with no significant new opener coming out. We do have the limited release of Serrano. That's going to be more of a specialty play, one that starts a slow expansion in the coming weeks.
2: I have to interject here, Daniel. I have to urge anyone listening to this podcast to see Serrano. It is really good, and I worry about it getting buried, but it isn't. Excellent film, an excellent film. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the advocate here for this one.
0: I'm telling you, I already have my tickets. That's a, it's a movie date with my wife. You've got the national doing the music. We're in. We're huge fans of that band, and the movie looks good. Uh, you know, we're excited to see that. Also on limited release here, guys. Not really coming out, but I think for many people really being the first time they can see this movie in a theater, is Coda from Apple. Fresh off of its Best Picture Academy Award nomination, this movie broke the Sundance sales records last year, but Apple completely forgot about it when it came to its initial theatrical run in August. The streamer is now re-releasing the film in theaters this weekend for free with open captions at select cinemas around the country. My big question here is it sounds like a great press release. I'm not sure what that theatrical re-release is going to look like. Sean, do you have any indications of what's going to happen with this title?
1: Not a significant number. I think this is one of those weekends we essentially have four movies. We have Coda, we have Cyrano, and then we also have the Studio 666 from the Free Fighters and the Godfather 50th anniversary movie in Dolby. These are four movies that are essentially taking advantage of that last weekend when no major openers come out. I could see them all vying for a spot in the top 10 and, and two or three may sneak in there. But I think these are the types of films we're still really kind of trying to learn how they play out in this new pandemic era of movie going.
0: And unfortunately, we won't be getting any indication of the performance of Coda, since it is being distributed by Apple. One of the players that doesn't provide any insights as to how these films perform theatrically. For that matter, they don't really provide any insights on how they perform at home either. But it's an important film. It's looking to sneak into the cultural conversation Let's see how Apple handles its first Best Picture nominee here in theaters. Looking forward beyond this weekend, guys, of course, we've got the release on March 4th of The Batman from Warner Brothers, the next big, big, big movie that I think a lot of us are looking forward to talking about. That's a tease for everyone listening. Tune in next week when we will all be coming back and giving you the latest details and forecasts of The Batman's opening weekend until then rebecca sean thanks so much once again for joining us here on the box office podcast and for everyone listening at home thanks once again for listening the box office podcast is released every thursday and available on any major podcast platform the show is produced by box office pro in collaboration with the box office company and record edit podcast on behalf of rebecca sean and myself thanks for listening and we will catch you again next week